G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. My question to everybody in the room is, which are you? Manipulator, cooperator. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Today with Jeff Vines. My name is Bill, and today we're going to continue examining. The Temptation of Christ, as told in Matthew chapters 4 and 5. Pastor Jeff has been sharing what this passage teaches us about how we relate to our God. Do we cooperate with God or try to manipulate God to our way of thinking? Let's get back into it to hear Pastor Jeff resolve this message. We're in Matthew chapters 4 and 5. Okay, listen, both Satan and God know how humanity works. This year's sensation is next year's commonplace. That's why the cross is brilliant in the mind of God. Ultimate sacrifice always trumps self-serving miraculous feats. And the cross is still the most recognizable symbol in the world. And the reason is man is not impressed by pizzazz. He's impressed mostly by sacrificial love. God's way was the right way. Satan is attempting to convince Jesus to presume upon God and do things his way. That's exactly what he does to us. You want some examples? Well, you know, if you don't, you're going to get them anyway. (laughs) He comes into your life and says, go ahead, marry him. I know he has no interest in God, but after the marriage, you can pray that God will change him. But God answers prayers, doesn't he? So go ahead and jump. Go ahead. I know he loses his temper and pushes you around a bit now, but you love him, don't you? And God wants you to be happy. Go ahead and marry him and then pray that God will zap him with instantaneous gentleness and kindness. Jump. Go ahead. Enter into that business partnership with the guy that is unethical and lacks character and integrity. I know that God said, do not be unequally yoked, but the Bible also says, ask and it'll be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. So go ahead and jump. Trust God. And then pray really hard that God will protect your reputation, your business, and your family. God answers prayers. Jump. Is that enough yet? Go ahead. Go in debt for all those things. You deserve them. I know that you know you can't afford them, but God will bail you out. He would never want you to struggle financially. Just pray, and the money will start pouring in because God really loves you if you are a child of God. Go ahead. Jump. The measure with which I have seen people who are willing to presume upon God is immeasurable. Now, I want to I give you an illustration here, and I'm going to need some grace from you. And here's what I mean. At any point during this illustration, if I say something that's offensive, know my heart and say, he didn't mean that. 
This is not meant to offend. It's just meant to really get down the nitty gritty. Everybody in this congregation and church knows my heart for single parents, especially single moms, right? Because I, I just feel for our, our, our country, our nation, our government doesn't have a lot of sympathy. And there are women who are trying to raise families of children who have no help. And that touches me. Now, having said that, and we will always be a church, always, at least as long as I'm the senior pastor, that does not judge these women, but loves them and helps them. However, there's another side to this I want to share with you. A few years ago, somebody came to talk to me, single mom. She had three children by three different husbands. She uh, couldn't find a job. She had probably 30 piercings on her body. I did, I did, Pastor Jeff did not say piercings are sinful. I'm just saying there, some people won't hire you with that many piercings. That's just the way it is. Well, it shouldn't be that way. Well, it is. I can't do anything about that. She was coming to me because she was mad at God. That God had not been better to her than he had been. And now she had turned to drugs to try to cope. And now the courts were trying to take her children from her. And she's mad at God. How could God let this happen? Now there was a part of me that wanted to say to her, wait, why are you blaming God? Let's go all the way back to where all this started. It's probably a good idea not to sleep with a guy and have his baby till you're married. Probably a good idea. And when it doesn't work the first time, it's probably not a good idea to do it the second time. And then the third time, there's probably a pattern here. Now that's what I'm thinking. But the reality is there's not a person in this church that hasn't blown it. There's not a person in this church that hasn't had that snowball effect. You want to judge her and throw the stone at her, but you're not willing to look in the mirror at yourself. That's why when somebody like this young lady comes, she doesn't get judged. She gets love and grace and mercy. However, I would not be the pastor I should be if I didn't tell you that oftentimes the best remedy is prevention. I would love to go back in time to that one moment where her life started and say, don't do this. Don't do this. Please. Don't do this. I say to my staff, the best time to fire somebody is not to hire them. Right? And sometimes the best healing is prevention. Don't do it in the first place. Student comes up into my office. He's all mad at God. Why are you mad? Because I failed my exams. And I prayed really hard that God would help me. And all my friends who were non-believers knew that I was praying. So it made God really look bad. They knew I was depending on God and his power. And I kept talking to him, kept talking to him. And after he told me how mad at God was, finally I said to him, dude, you didn't study. You told me you didn't study. You just expected God to bail you out. Young couples come into my office. They're totally irresponsible with money, up to their ears in debt because we have a generation of entitlement in our nation. And so there's tension in their marriage because that's the worst kind of tension. But then they found a verse in the Bible that says, my God shall supply all your needs in Christ Jesus. So they quote that, name it and claim it, but God doesn't show up and they get mad at God and blame him. Now you think about what they're wanting. They're wanting God to give them more money with which they can be irresponsible. You can also presume upon God by omission. I will not teach my children about respecting authority, but I'll still depend on God to miraculously turn them into godly children. I will not saturate my life with the word of God 
but I will expect God to give me the right words at the right time to comfort me and encourage me in times of need. And I will not invest in my marriage, but I'll depend on God to give me a good one. Hey, you know who's the worst at this? The church. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's our language in the church. We're just going to step out on faith. Trust God. And let me translate that for you. That usually means we've got an idea. It's a bad one. It's not been researched very well. It defies common sense. It defies wisdom. We've received no wise counsel. It probably won't work. But we're going to step out on faith. Pull the trigger. Trust God. Because the Bible says, my God shall supply all your needs. Folks, that's not faith. That's stupid. (laughs) And then when God doesn't deliver, everybody in the church says, what's up with God? Where's God? And God's saying, hey, that wasn't my idea. Maybe you should have talked to me about this. Maybe you should have prayed about this first. I'm rich in mercy and grace, yes, but I'm God. I'm God. Don't play me and don't manipulate me. Faith is responding to the promises of God which are connected to his way of living. In other words, you live the way God tells you to live. It's amazing how good your life's going to turn out. You directly disobey and then you want him to bail you out. Not going to happen. Faith is not pulling the trigger on something you want to do and then asking God to bail you out. Now, look at how Jesus responds. Jesus, in order to respond to this temptation, reaches back into Israel's history and pulls something out. Because Satan's not coming up with anything new, guys. It's the same old thing. Israel wandering in the desert for 40 years. God's feeding them day and night. Man is just appearing out of the sky. Pretty cool deal, hey man? Just look up. Here's the food. They come to the valley of sin, which doesn't mean sin. It's just the valley of sin. No water, two million of them. They come to an area called Rephidim. They've got two options. Option one, you know what? God has met our need all these years. We got nothing to worry about. Let's just keep praying and singing. And you know, God is gonna deliver, you know, praise be to God, the water's coming. Option one. Option two, taunt God. Test him. We're thirsty down here. Where are you? You on vacation? Did you bring us in the desert to die? Do you know how this looks to the other pagan nations? We say we have the only one true God and he can't even give us water. Are you not the God of power, grace, and mercy? As if God would say, oh yeah, I am. Here's some water. (laughs) And then Moses says in Exodus 17 too, so they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. And Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord God to the test? And then in verse seven, he says, and he called that place Massah, which means testing, and Meribah, which means quarreling, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord not among us or not? Now, when the children of Israel finally get to the promised land, Moses stands on this ledge and he gives them a warning. And right before they enter the promised land, he says in Deuteronomy 6, do not test the Lord your God as you did at Massah. In other words, when you guys get into the land flowing with milk and honey and everything's going so well, do not test God when something bad happens in your life and all of a sudden you say, Are you not God? Do you not love us? Are we not your children? Moses said, why don't you trust God instead that something bigger is at stake and God is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever hope for or imagine. And so when Jesus hears the devil say, go ahead, throw yourself down, God will bail you out. He pulls that verse from Deuteronomy 6 
And he says, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. I know what you're doing, Satan. You're tempting me to test God. I don't assume. I don't presume. I don't manipulate God. I am here to cooperate, not manipulate my heavenly father. And my question to everybody in the room is, which are you? Manipulator, cooperator. Do you, number one, desperately seek God's plan and will for every area of your life? Before you got married, did you say, is this the right one? There are some biblical tests you can ask, by the way. Is this guy a believer? Will he lead me spiritually? If not, you don't need a voice from God. You've already had the voice from God. It's called the Bible. Fathers, are you leading your family? Does your, do your daughter or your sons... Does your wife see you on your knees asking God about everything from the job you should take, from the promotion you should take, to where you go on vacation, to the house, if you should buy it or not? They just know that you submit to God. Let me tell you, I'll say it again. A man who submits to God will find a woman who submits to him. More women would submit to their husbands if the husbands loved them like Christ loved the church. Or... Do you formulate your plan and then try desperately to get God involved? That's called having a plan for God's life. Has there ever been a time in your life, folks, where you just got on your knees and you say, God, I can't do it anymore. This is hard work, manipulating you. You got me. I want to seek your will until I find it. And I love the quote that says, oh, this is beautiful. I always prayed for God to lead me where he wants me to go. Now I pray for the courage to go where he leads me because it's going to get tough. So one, first of all, manipulators, what I found is they're disappointed with God because they've never fully surrendered to God. Some of the most disappointed people with God I know are people who never fully surrendered. And their relationship with God works like this. Okay, God, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray, but you're going to help me out. I'll do these things as long as you're helping me out. And as long as we got this little relationship where I scratch your back and you scratch mine, everything goes well, I'll keep serving, doing the things, worshiping, going to church and all that. I'll even sit through boring sermons, but as long as we have this little arrangement. <laughs> and then what God does, he lets you do that for a long time. And then there's a fork in the road. And all of a sudden he wants you to take a difficult path and you see the path. You know, he's saying go this way, but it's difficult. And you see that winding, difficult road and you say, God, I can't take that road. I can't do that because I'd have to hold on for dear life. And God says, I know, I know, but it's necessary because I'm going to do a good work in you. But God, I don't, I don't want to go there. It's going to be tough. And what do they do? They kick, they scream, they denounce. They even say, God, I don't know if I can believe you anymore because my life is tough. Why do they do that? I'll tell you why. Because they're a manipulator, not a cooperator. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands publicly. I don't want you to raise your hands in your heart. I hate that, but I'm going to use it anyway. Raise your hands in your heart. <laughs> How many of you, in your heart now, not, not in front, don't, don't embarrass yourself. How many of you would say, by raising your hands in your heart, that you are a manipulator? If you said yes, then welcome to the club. I've been one all my life. <laughs> all my life. The illness that I've just gone through is the best thing that ever happened to me because it opened my eyes to the reality that I've been doing this with God all my life. It started in fifth grade. God, please let me get Dina Casita on the coat rack. <laughs> please, 
just have Dina Casita come behind the coat rack so I can give her a kiss. Please, God, you do that, and I'll go to church on Sunday and Wednesday night. It starts when you're young, man. <laughs> and it's Little League Baseball. Little League Baseball. The finals of the Little League Baseball Championship, I wore a little badge that said, Jesus saves right on my uniform. <laughs> Evidently, Jesus strikes out, too, because it didn't end very well. <laughs> I got a little older. Now I want, now I want. God, I want a Division I basketball scholarship. Now, God, I keep going to church on Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Bible study. Didn't work out. Okay, I want to be the best coach ever. Didn't work out. Okay, God, and I'm just manipulating God through my entire life. Man, and then my illness came and it dawned on me what was happening because I said, God, I can't die. I'm not finished with you yet. <laughs> I've not been to Scotland. I've not played those golf courses. I've not seen my daughter get married. I've not seen my son get excited about anything. <laughs> I, I have so many plans for your life, God. <laughs> and I want to tell you what happened. God said to me, Jeffrey A. Vines, I want you to listen up and listen good. This is in my illness. I've given you so much grace and I know you've been manipulating me and you know what? I still love you. But while you've been manipulating me, I've been working my plan together and now here we are. And I'm going to bring you to the end of yourself. And now we're going to do things my way because I own you. And if you fight against me, it's only going to get that much tougher. And I want to warn you, Jeff, my way's hard, but you're absolutely going to love it. <laughs> it's going to bring you joy like you've never had. And here's what I learned. Here's what I learned. There is nothing like surrendering to God because manipulating him is hard work. And now you throw your hands up and you say, I've been trying to be in charge of my life all my life. It hasn't worked. Resignation comes Oh God, I'm tired. What's your plan? And there's this incredibly freeing feeling. All right, God, I'm done. When difficult times come, you're either going to abandon or you're going to abandon. You're either going to abandon God or you're going to abandon yourself. And that will depend upon whether you're a manipulator or a cooperator. Second, just quickly, manipulators seldom hear from God because their spirits are not tuned into God. As long as you're in manipulation mode, it's hard to get clarity from what God wants you to do because you think God would never ask you to do anything hard. And with God, your sensitivity to God's voice will be determined by the direction you're traveling. If you're traveling as a manipulator, you won't hear it as a cooperator. Man, God speaks loudest to the soul that is most surrendered to him. And that's why I've always been impressed by the Jim Elliots of the world. I know I mention him often, but what a, I mean, a man who's gifted, talented, but hears the voice of God, fully surrenders to God, preaches the gospel to the Aqua Indians of South America. They kill him. His wife, Elizabeth, goes back, ends up winning that tribe to the gospel of Christ. I mean, it's an amazing story. Corey Ten Boom suffers in a concentration camp, says, no matter how deep your pit of despair, God's love is deeper still. Hudson Taylor takes the gospel to China, William Carey to India. William Wilberforce fights slavery for over 17 years in Europe. All these men heard the voice of God. It cost them, but they were joyful, happy, fulfilled people. I'm just concerned that some of you have heard the voice of God 
And you know what, I mean, you, it just resonated with you and you know the call on your life, man. You know what it is, but you're afraid that if you do it, you'll have to downsize that God won't protect you. You won't make as much money. You won't have as much stuff, but there's something killing you inside because you know if you could just do this, it's called a holy discontent. If you could just solve this thing, if you could just get your life involved in this thing, you know you'd be happy, but you can't do it. See, If the devil can convince you to remain in manipulation mode all your life, you will abandon his work in you. You will abandon his kingdom because you won't sacrifice anything. And ultimately, you'll end up, even though you won't admit it, abandoning him. Whereas cooperators, they hear from God. They trust God. They obey God and fully immerse themselves into the plans and purposes of God, no matter what it costs them personally. Here's how you know. Three questions you ask yourself and then I'm done. How do I respond to sin? See, if you're a manipulator, you say, oh, I blew it. Shame. I know how the system works. I'll go to church on Sunday, sing a few songs, say a few prayers, and I'm good. (laughs) If you're a cooperator, man, I wish I hadn't done that. I know God forgives me and his grace is so wide and I'm thankful for it, but you know what? I'm going to I want to try to live his way. I want to try to live his way by his word because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Second question, how do I respond to difficulties? Man, I don't know why God's doing this, but I'm going to buckle up, man. I'm ready for this ride because I know there's something greater at stake. Here we go. But if you're a manipulator, God, I don't know if I can trust you anymore. I just don't know if you're trustworthy. I mean, it's a difficult time here. Uh, You know, I think you've bailed on me. Maybe you don't even exist. That's a manipulator. Third question, how do I pray? God, I got a list for you. Let's check them off one by one. You do the deed and we'll be sweet. That's a manipulator. Cooperator says, God, how do you want to use my life for your glory and your purposes? Because that's what I really want. And I do have some requests. I don't want to be anxious for anything, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, I want to make my request known to you because I know the peace of Christ will rule my heart. Do you really know what Jesus did when he was in the garden, folks? He surrendered. Listen to me. Don't, Don't let this go by, though. When he surrendered, the angels came and strengthened him. You know what I learned in my illness? As long as I fight it, it keeps going. At the point you surrender everything to God, it's amazing what happens. The healing begins. Sorrow may come before the night, but joy comes in the morning. Sorrow may come before the night, but joy comes in the morning. I mean, I wish I was an African-American preacher right now because I could really do this well. Sorrow may come before the night. Joy comes in the morning. If you've not surrendered, you're not living. And when I pray right now, there's going to be some friends of mine on the wall. And as other people go out, you come up there and they will pray for you. But some of you, you need to make a decision today, today, that that's it. You're not in charge anymore. God is. And then my goodness, accept his grace and mercy and forgiveness. Because as soon as you turn... Everything's done. Father, thank you for the power of your word and for the power of surrender.
I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room. I pray that if anybody would have felt judged, Father, that you would replace that with love. If anyone would have felt challenged, that you would increase that challenge. That the real sin is apathy and of never making a decision to give everything over to you. Our past hurts, our past habits, our past hangups, all given to you, that we might be free, that joy would come in the morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you. Thanks for joining me on Today with Jeff Vines. That's the end of this message about the temptation of Christ, as told in Matthew chapters four and five. We'll continue in our deception series next time with another message, this time from Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Pastor Jeff will speak about the tools we're given from God to live the abundant life in Him. Join me then. If you do not have the protection of the Spirit of God in you, Jesus makes it very clear. You're either for Him or against Him because you're either used of God for His purposes or you're used of the devil. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.